Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you that are new here, my name is Justin. I'm the pastor here at Zion. Really glad to have you. Uh, we are going through a series for Lent called Killing Our Gods, things that we are called during the season to lay idols that we are called to lay down in our life. Uh, and so we've gone over several idols like power, control, comfort the last few weeks. I'm excited to jump in. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 6 in a moment. Um, I want to share a story first before we begin. I, when I was 18, I went away. I, I took what is now known as a gap year. I didn't know back then that that was a thing. Uh, but I knew one thing. I needed to get away from the city. And so I went to live in Ohio uh, with my uncle, who was a pastor, and he had a Bible school that he was starting, so I joined the Bible school. It was, it was small. It was me and 15 other people. And part of our Bible classes was we had to preach, uh, and we did, you know, preaching classes. And so I don't know if anybody here grew up Pentecostal like I did. When you go through a preaching class with charismatics, it's not about how well you exegeted the scripture uh, or how well you stuck to the text. It was were you anointed or were you not? Uh, and so you could have went up there and you could have been like, well, the rooster crowed this morning and woke us all up. And the question was, was it anointed? Not, did it have to do anything with the text? And so I remember after I finished preaching, I sat down, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I was 18. I wasn't a good preacher. Uh, and, and, and also the, you know, the, the thing that we like to do in Pentecostal circles is give immediate feedback. <laughs> And so the, the pastor at the time, you know, he was giving immediate feedback after everybody. And he, as soon as I sat down, he said, Justin, that was not anointed. <laughs> and then he began to list, you know, my grievances uh, during my sermon. And now what you don't know is up until that point, uh, you know, how, how we like to train people in the kingdom is more like going to boot camp. And so I was in boot camp. And so I had been critiqued and called out every single day for the last six months. And at this moment, I had had enough in this class. And so I decided at that moment to stand up for myself. Anybody bottle stuff in and one day you're just like, oh, I've had enough. It's time. And so I let pastor know it was time at that moment. And I started screaming at him, believe it or not, in the middle of class. And I do not remember what I said, but all I remember is that when I was done, I stood up because I remember sitting down. I don't remember standing up, but I sat down. And I thought, damn, I'm in trouble. <laughs> so it went through my head. <laughs> I know, you know, that was a little too much for some of you, but it's okay. <laughs> that was the reality of the moment. And yep, sure enough, I was. But what had happened was something was going on in my heart up until... Uh, that time, during that time in my life, I was what you would call an insecure little boy. I needed other people's approval in order to feel good, confident, and secure about who I was. And so what was this pastor doing? He was hurting my image in front of all of my friends. And over and over again, he was calling me out when I grew up as a pastor's kid, where I had to have the perfect front. And nobody was allowed to know about the cracks. Nobody was allowed to know that there were some defaults uh, in me. There were some things that needed to be worked out. And so I had come to the point where I literally raised my voice at this man 
went on a tirade, sat down, and he just said, we'll talk about this after class. I knew what that meant. That was like basically like your mom taking out your chancleta and slapping you in the face with it. Like I was about to get in trouble. Today we're going to talk about the idol of approval. Let's read from chapter, Luke chapter 6, verses 22, 23, and 26. This is Jesus speaking. He says, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. Verse 26, woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. See, the the world or culture and people are vying to be your source of approval. Do you understand that? The world or the culture around you today wants to be your source of approval. It wants you to look to it so that you know when you're doing well and when you know you're not doing well. So that you look to it for acceptance and look to it so that you know, am I on the right path? People want to be your source of approval. That's that person that says, attaboy, or good job, or well done. People want you to look to them to say, Am I doing a good job or am I doing a bad job? There's only one reason why people want this and why culture wants this. Because whoever you seek approval from are going to be the things that control you. And so when people set up a world where you look to them for every second for their approval, when the culture, as we know of it today, says that if you don't jive with what we believe, what are you? Canceled. If you don't associate with the right people and the right things, then what happens? You are shunned. You are not accepted. The only reason why this is a thing and the only reason why culture wants this to happen is because when the culture gets us to look to it for approval, the culture controls us. Whoever you look to for approval will control your actions and your life. And so that is why we should seek the approval of only one person, and that is God. God should be the only source that we look to for our approval. When we seek people or culture's approval over God's approval, we need to understand what is happening in our life. And I think this is an incredibly important thing to talk about today. Because when we look at the culture, when we look at Hollywood, the world, uh, if we look at scripture, this is, this is what we would call, the, the scripture calls the world. When the scripture talks about the world, it's talking about the dominion of darkness. It's talking about where Satan has been given rule and reign. And so we, we either are given over to the things of the world or given over to Satan, or we are given over to God and his kingdom. And so when we seek the culture's approval, when we seek the world's approval, there will be something that happens to us in our our Christianity, in our walk with God, that will make us Christians with no bite and no power. We will be Christians that will be deflated, not only deflated, but I would go so far as to say is that we become non-Christians because there will only be one thing that is truly controlling us. 
and that is the one who is the prince of the power of the air, the prince of the world, the prince of darkness. So what happens when we seek culture's approval, when we seek people's approval? Well, the first thing that happens is we become cowards. When we look to the culture, we look to the world for approval, when we look to others for approval, we become a coward. Our faith is more determined by the cultural climate than it is scripture. I'm gonna say that again because this has infiltrated the Western church. Our faith is more determined by cultural climate than it is by scripture. When we look at the world around us and we ask ourselves, how do I think about politics? How do I think about family? How do I think about personal identity? And we don't look at scripture. What happens is the worldview that comes from the culture then becomes the lens in which we live our lives. And our faith, our spiritual walks become determined by the context of the culture around us. And our witness is jeopardized because of unpopular opinion. If you look at the seeker-friendly megachurch model that has infiltrated the American Western culture, what has happened? We have become cowards. The ultimate reality of the seeker model is this. You cannot talk about sin, the devil, and hell on a Sunday because people may get mad and not come back to church. That is the premise of that model. Now, I believe that our services should be friendly to the non-believer. If you're a non-believer here, we welcome you. But that doesn't mean that we should take half of the scriptures and put it away for Sunday. Our witness is jeopardized because of unpopular opinions when we look to the world for approval. 1 Corinthians chapter 122 says this, for Jews demand signs, aka power, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to, wisdom, uh, to, to Greeks. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians that the Jews want to seek power. That is what the ultimate thing that they were looking for in a religious expression. When you look at the Jewish context, they wanted a Messiah or a savior who was going to come and take over the Roman Empire. They wanted somebody that was coming with armies, that was coming in might, that was coming in power. That's why they wanted to seek signs. They want somebody that they could distinguish as most powerful. And what did they get? a weak man that was put on a cross, humiliated in front of his mom and his family and his disciples. The Greeks, they wanted the most wise philosophy. They wanted the most wise understanding of the world, the, 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 the logos or the logic of the world to be something that just made all of their lives better to make sense. The, the Greeks were known for their philosophy. And what did they get instead? The folly of the cross. a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. If Paul wanted to be relevant at the expense of scriptures, then he would have preached signs and wonders to the Jews and he would have preached philosophy to the Gentiles. But instead he knew only one thing, Christ crucified. 
the gospel, the scriptures that had been handed down, that all throughout the scriptures spoke of one person and one thing happening. Jesus coming, Jesus being crucified, Jesus resurrecting, and Jesus ascending. But when we look to the culture to be the one that is our source of approval, when we look to our friends, we cannot preach the folly to the world. We cannot preach weakness to the world because then we will be disapproved of by the world. And so what we get stuck on as the church, instead of preaching the truth, the whole gospel, we never preach the truth, we only preach the grace. Love becomes a feeling to experience during a rock concert instead of the action of sacrifice and death. This is what Christianity has become when it is wrapped up in the world and the culture around it. It becomes nothing better than a motivational speech and a concert so that we can feel better about ourselves yet still be going to hell. There is no difference when we look to the approval of the world. The second thing that happens is we fear man's rejection instead of God's rejection. Now, this is going to take some of you back, and a lot of you are going to judge me for saying this, and that's okay. I grew up in a very specific time of Christian music, and this was the only thing I had as a young kid who was told everything secular would mean I was going to hell. And so uh, this, this, this song from DC Talk came up while I was thinking about this. What will people say when they find out I'm a Jesus freak? What will people do when they find out it's true? Do anybody know that song? I was about to sing it for you, but none of y'all, that would really empty out the church, that, not for a good reason. That would be a stumbling block for the wrong reason. But all I had was Toby Mac when I was growing up. That's why I pray for my childhood. It's a, it's a wonder I'm still a Christian today. <laughs> In Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, it says, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, this is Jesus speaking, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. We are oftentimes so afraid to share our faith, whether it be on Instagram, on Facebook, at work, to our friends, to our family, because we are scared, what will people do when they find out it's true? I'm sorry, I just, I just that tune is just in there. Because <laughs> what, what happens? Oh, he's one of those. Hmm. Automatic judgment, automatic box. Listen, the church in America has done enough to receive the spurn of the non-believer. Because the things that we've taken a stand on many times are the things that are nonsensical. They're not gospel issues. They're not the Christ. They're not the Christ crucified. They're dumb things like, should you read Harry Potter when you're a kid or not? And so when we, we kind of come out and say, yeah, I, I am a Christian. Yeah, I do believe in Jesus. If we share something on Instagram or we talk to somebody at work, they ask us how our weekend was or what we did, and we tell them everything that we did except when we went to be with the believers on a Sunday service at church. Because what, what will happen? Well, what if they 
what if they put me in that box or what if they think less of me or what if they don't want to talk or what if, what if blah, blah, you know, run down the line of whatever is going to happen. What happens is we become so afraid of man's rejection that we forget about what we should truly be afraid of and that is God's rejection. Jesus is clear right here that if we reject him in front of others, what will happen? We will be rejected when we go to him. Whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. This is a terrible path, church. This is a terrible path. One of denial. To know Jesus to know his grace, to know his power, to know his love, to know his freedom, but to be scared of someone else's opinion to a point to be rejected. To walk down of knowing and believing and trusting in that love and that sacrifice, but then to be denied because I was worried about somebody and what they would say that has no authority over my soul that has no eternal significance in our life because they wouldn't like me anymore. Church, next time you are asked what you did for the weekend, next time you come across a scripture and you wonder, should I share it? Next time there's an open door at a family gathering or at your workplace and you go, I don't know. Ask yourself, what? Why are you doing that? Where is that place coming from? Now remember Jesus' words. Who do I want to be rejected by? Because I could tell you there's only one person whose approval I seek for on that last day of judgment. Everybody else's opinions will not be there in that courtroom. They will not matter when I stand before him God is not going to say, well, I, I understand because I know this person wouldn't have liked you anymore, really cared about that one, as we see his son on the cross. Because the court of public opinion, what did they do to Jesus? They crucified him, him who did no wrong. And yet we cannot stand to be disliked because somebody makes a snap judgment about us and boxes us in due to some of our affiliations. The third thing that happens is we trade eternal heavenly rewards for temporary earthly ones. In the Sermon on the Mount, on, in chapter Matthew chapter six, this is the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes through three things, generosity or giving, prayer and fasting. And as he talks about these two fundamental uh, doctrines in the Christian faith, generosity, prayer, and fasting. He says this about people who do this in front of other people to get a reward like a great job. That was a great prayer, brother so-and-so. That was a, a, oh, wow, you're fasting for that long, sister so-and-so? That is amazing, right? What does he say that is going to happen he says, if you do this in front of others and you receive the accolades of others, like the Pharisees, 
who when they're fasting, oh God, I'm so hungry. Oh, look how bad I've been fasting for. They want everybody to know how amazing it is. No, Jesus says, when you're fasting, put on oil. That's like put on makeup. Make sure every, you look good when you're walking through town so that you don't look so dejected. No, don't let everybody know that you're fasting. Why? Because the Pharisees would look for the praise of man when they did it. They would put in their money like, hey, look at this $100 bill going in the offering right now. Boom. You see that? When they would pray, they would stand up and say these long, drawn-out prayers. Whenever someone prays a long prayer during Thanksgiving, I remind them that's very, very much like a Pharisee. I don't like those sinful prayers during Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> I want the prayer that Jesus talks about during Thanksgiving, the one done in secret, on your own time in your prayer closet. Why? Because Jesus says when they do this, the Pharisees, when they get the praise and when they get the approval of others, he says they have received their reward. I think about that a lot. I think about that a lot, church. When you do things for the approval of others, and when you get that approval, you have received your reward. Jesus says, do it in secret. Do it in secret. Be generous towards others in secret. Pray in secret. Fast in secret. That's the opposite of today. Don't see how many likes I can get off this one. Mm-mm-mm. Look where I'm going today. Look what I'm doing today. Feeling myself today. And those hundred likes, Jesus says, say, you have received your reward. Every time I seek approval for my obedience to God, I rob myself of God's reward for me. Every time I seek approval for my obedience to God, I rob myself of his reward for me. You understand that? You understand the power of that, the liberation in that? that God sees what we do in secret, he knows what we do in secret, and so we don't need the approval of others. All we need is the approval of the one judge who knows all and sees all. God is our ultimate judge. Jesus, James, Hebrews, Paul, all testify that God will be the one to judge us on the throne on that last day. Not our neighbor, not the court of popular opinion, not culture. There will be one person that we will stand before, and that is God the Father. And he will be the judge. His approval is the only approval that we should seek, church. 
His approval is the only one that we should look for. His approval is the only one that I should say, God, I need this. See, his approval is the only one that eternally matters. So Melvin, was it? I think it was last week, right? Melvin preached last week, two weeks ago. He wrote a list out, and I was, I was inspired, so I wrote a list. How do we know that we deal with approval issues? Well, listen, take it from a guy, like, see, you all don't know me when I grew up. Like, if you all, a lot of people I meet now, they, you know, they would say I'm confident, sometimes a little overconfident, God's working on me. Um, but growing up, I was the most insecure kid that you, have may, you may have ever met. The, the most, every single day, I struggled with thoughts of everybody needed to approve of what I did. I did things so that other people could see them. So that they could say, wow, look at Justin. Look at what he's doing. He's good. He's doing a good job. And so this, this list comes from a place of understanding. How do you know this is an issue? Well, here are some ways I've seen it manifest in myself. I've seen it manifest in others. You constantly go fishing for compliments. This is the classic, how do I look? When you know you look good. I do it to my wife every morning. <laughs> I used to preach a sermon. Knew it was anointed, Pentecostal, come on. And then after the sermon, I would ask 30 people, so what'd you think of the sermon? <laughs> oh, you liked it? Yeah, that was a good one, right? Yeah, I liked it too. Right, this is... This is when you just, you, you gotta feed off of that. This is that fuel. This is the love language of words of affirmation taken to go from a good thing to a bad thing. To this, this helps me feel loved, to I need this to survive. You get angry when your work goes unacknowledged. preach on this for three weeks. Man, I wish I wrote this scripture down. I'm trying to remember. I read it a few days ago. But when, when we just, when we are doing what we are supposed to do, guess what? We don't need a gold star. When we get angry because our work is unacknowledged, we forget that there is someone who sees everything that we do. And whether people say good work or not, whether our boss says good job or not, whether that person, our family member, our mom or dad, our brother or sister, whether they say good job or not, there is someone in heaven who is looking down, who is saying, well done, my good and faithful servant because you are doing what you said you are going to do. You are getting paid for this job and you're doing your job. Good job, my good and faithful servants. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. 
He sees us. He sees us for everything that we do. Others may not see us. And our work goes unacknowledged. We may get frustrated. We may get angry. We may get upset. But guess who approves of us? God in heaven. Here's another one. You constantly talk about the latest good deed you did. You ever have a friend who did something and you've been in like multiple conversations with that friend, with other people, and that's like the one thing they talk about for the next three weeks? <laughs> I remember I got Bible college stories all day today. And so we had this one guy in the Bible college, uh, you know, obviously Pentecostal, we pray in tongues. And so uh, when we, we had this French couple that was in the uh, class and we would, we would have, listen, Pentecostal, if this is new to you, Pentecostal culture is like, it's not a prayer meeting unless you start off for an hour of praying in tongues. And so we would pray in tongues for an hour every morning before we got to the prayer meeting where we spoke in English. Uh, and so we were praying in tongues. And uh, after, the, after we were done, one of the, the, the French people had an interpretation. And she, she said, you prayed this in French while you were praying. She didn't say this to everybody. She told him, my Lord, oh, my Lord, you would have thought that this guy just like walked around all of Columbus and his shadow was healing everybody on the way. Because let me tell you something, every single day after that for weeks, he was insufferable. He was like, guys, 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 listen, 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 the Lord spoke to me and I spoke in French this week. And I said, you know, whatever he said. And so this is what I think we should do for the youth meeting tonight. Yeah. And then the next day, guys, 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 the Lord spoke to me in French uh, during the prayer meeting. This is what I said in French. And so this is what I think we should do for the class today. The next day, God, I'm not making this up. Guys, 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 the Lord spoke to me in French. And it's like literally every single day for a month, he talked about this thing that happened. He could not let it go, right? You ever know somebody that has, they, they did that one, good, they, they walked that old person across the street and it's like, hey, you know what I did when I got home from work? I just saw, you know, I just saw, let me do a good deed today, you know, and I walked them across the street. Wasn't that amazing, you know? That was amazing, good job. Right, we constantly talk about the latest thing that we did. You make important decisions based on other people's opinions before consulting God in the scripture. Whew. Man, how many times that life decisions are made and God and the scriptures are an afterthought. And man, this is the one I'm starting to hate more than anything. Oh, I felt peace about it. Okay, <laughs> so? Jesus sweating blood and, and, and water before he went to the cross. He was like, oh, this is gonna be a peaceful day. I'm gonna do it. Oh, I felt peace about it. Oh, so it feels good for you. Okay, I understand. No. Search the scriptures. Seek out counsel from the Lord in prayer. Too often we make decisions based off of our feelings and based off of the opinion of others. Well, what would this person think? So let me do this. We choose our careers and our lives based off of what other people's opinions are of us. 
We choose the things that we will say based off of other people's opinions of us. We choose the ways that we will act based off of other people's opinions of us. And we never look at the scriptures and say, well, what would God want me to do here? And the scriptures, let me, you know, some people get this wrong. They look for, you know, it's like, well, is, is the scripture going to answer, can I listen to this song? Well, the scripture didn't know that song was going to exist. So there's, but the scriptures guide us. They give us that lens. They give us that worldview. They give us that perception to look and frame our decision-making by, to look and frame our lives by, to look and frame the friendships that we have, the family that we have, the things that we do. The scriptures help us look and frame everything that we do in our life. It may not say, make a right on 3rd Avenue. But it will give you wisdom and counsel. And the Lord will guide you if you go to him with fear and trembling as the beginning of all wisdom. Here's another one. It's the last one here. You have a hard time confessing sin and revealing who you truly are. This, I would say, is one of the things that is plagued the church the most. This is half because we all pretend like we don't sin. And so when someone confesses, like, meanwhile, you've been doing it every day for years. For years, I was living a lie amongst my closest family, the church because they didn't know who I was, truly broken. And I never confessed my sin, and it was always a secret, hidden thing, because I was scared of what people would say about me. Can you believe that? My soul was rotting every day, and I was not living a life with the abundance of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to bring freedom, because I was worried about what Joe Schmo would think about me. Who cares what Joe Schmo thinks about me when on the other side of confession is freedom and life everlasting in God? Who cares if they think less of me if I am right with God? Who cares if someone looks down on me as long as I'm able to go to the feet of Jesus in the Holy of Holies with the righteousness of Jesus wrapped around me? Because whether someone likes me or not, confession is the key into that presence. Because it is the only thing that allows the righteousness of God to cover me. And for so long, we don't confess, we don't talk about going through a hard time, we never admit to the frailty of our own souls because we want to make believe we have it all together. We want to make believe that we are Jesus incarnate, that we have everything perfect and dandy. When the reality of the human condition is this, that Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me where Paul said, be filled with the Spirit daily. 
because it is only by the power of the Spirit every single day, freshly working in my heart and in my mind, that I can by any chance or stretch of the imagination make it through the day with joy and praise on my lips. Forget about walking in perfection. That is for the new heavens and the new earth in another lifetime, but not this. And the faster we come to accept and realize this, the faster that we can stop being fake and walk in true confession and repentance with one another and go to our sister, go to our brother. I'm struggling. I need your help. My brother knows what the bat signal is like when I text him. We got to get on and pray with one another. It doesn't depend on somebody asking me how I'm doing. It doesn't depend on what somebody wants me to do. It doesn't depend on anything else other than I know that when I confess, he is faithful and just to forgive. When we have a hard time confessing who we truly are to others, it's a sure sign that we've been bowing down to the idol of approval in our life and allowing that to rule our hearts instead of Christ. After that outburst that day to the pastor, my uncle and him called me into their office a few hours later during the day, and my uncle sat me down, and he looked me in the eye, and I'll never forget this. He said, Justin, do you believe that God can free you from this? I just started to cry because the truth was I did not believe that day or any day prior that God could free me from this. I thought this would be something I would have to hide for the rest of my life. And in my weeping, somewhere along the line, God gave me the words to say, I have faith. That night we had youth service. And during the service, I went to the front, just bowed down, started praying, and I asked God a simple prayer. I said, God, can you heal me from this? And I'll never forget that moment, because in that moment, it was like my life flashed before my eyes, where every hurtful thing, every thing that someone had said to me since the time I was a baby just started going through my mind. Oh, you're annoying. Oh, you're not smart. You're never going to make it all of these things that people would tell me my whole life started going through. And every time one of those things happened, I felt like God just took a needle and was just sewing up my heart, that wound, that gaping wound that was so open, that was festering, that was putrid, that smelled to everybody else, but I had learned to live with. And I just wept and wept and wept as the Holy Spirit did his job. It doesn't happen like this all the time, but it happened like that this time for me, where I stood up from that time of prayer, healed. And I never had to look back at that again. That God had freed me from this sin that had plagued me since I was a boy. Do you know that God can free you? Do you know that God can heal you? 
This is not a lofty ideal. This is a reality of the scriptures and a promise to all his children. I invite you today in faith to go to God. Bring your idol before him. Lay down the high places of your heart and ask God, heal me from this. And watch as he does his work. Can you stand with me? Holy Spirit, we thank you that it is only by your power and your might that we are free from every stronghold, from every sin, from every idol that we have given room to in our heart and in our life. Will you bring faith today faith in you that we would believe in your healing and in your freedom to be set free from the approval of others to be set free from the courtroom of public opinion to be set free from the worldview of our culture and to live in to your scriptures and into your high calling Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we worship, we will have some.